Live from the Interaction Media Studio in Morgantown, this is a special edition of Positively West Virginia in our COVID-19 business briefing. I'm your host, Jim Matuga. For those of you joining us live on Facebook, welcome and thanks for tuning in. And for those listening on the podcast recording, thanks for joining us as well. We really appreciate you guys. Normally on this podcast, we interview West Virginia business leaders and share their success stories with you and thousands of others each week on iTunes, Spotify, and through our vast distribution network with WVNews.com. Since March 19th, though, we've been bringing you these daily special edition broadcasts. We're focused specifically and intentionally around this basic question. What can West Virginia businesses do right now to navigate this current pandemic storm that we're all facing? When we first started this podcast in 2017, our goal was to inspire and equip people in West Virginia with examples of real-life entrepreneurs and business owners who built their companies right here in West Virginia. Quite simply, we want to help businesses in West Virginia win. We appreciate the opportunity to tell these positive and inspirational stories each week that encourage people to start their businesses in the Mountain State and keep their companies here. And let's make West Virginia stronger than ever before. Of course, you can learn more about our mission at PositivelyWV.com. Every week, though, every weekday, though, we're bringing you these live special subject matter experts from West Virginia to help business owners and leaders with practical ideas you can use right now to get through this storm. Positively West Virginia is brought to you by Insurance Centers, The State Journal, WVNews.com, and Interaction Media. Today, I'm honored to have on the show Tony Honorado. Tony is a licensed professional counselor with Pro Health Employee Assistance Programs and his other company, APO Counseling. Tony, you may have heard his name, Tony Honorado. Tony is a highly regarded expert and a licensed professional counselor working uh, primarily with uh, a lot of different people, but specifically with some high-level athletes. You may have heard him on some other radio programs in the past, and he's a, an expert in in, in his field. Uh, but his current focus is really helping equip uh, companies and people uh, get get the most out of their people and so that they can be better equipped to handle situations in the workplace and be more productive out there. So he has uh, vast experience, and I'm honored to have Tony Honorado as our guest today. Tony, thanks for being on the show. Well, thank you, Jim. Now I just have to live up to the way you built me up there. That, that should be sexist. <laughs> well, I, you know, you, you do have a great reputation, uh, especially in West Virginia and the, the, the work that you do with people and help them get their lives back on track. And I'm excited to, to talk to you about uh, some things. But before we dive into that, Tony, first off, how are you doing right now personally and your family? How are you guys hanging in there? We're doing pretty well. You know, just like everybody else, this stuff uh, disrupts your normal rhythm and your routine of things. And you have to establish a, a different way of going about doing similar stuff. And, um, you know, for some people that means sitting around at home and, uh, you know, and for other people that that still means going to work, but doing it in a very different way than, than they used to before. So, you know, we're not immune to any of that stuff ourselves. It's just um, a part of being human is making these adjustments and, um, and knowing that it takes some time for the new normal to establish itself. Yeah, absolutely. Tony, I, I had a conversation with somebody just the other day, I think it was Monday, and we, we talked about, you know, it seems like um, for the first, you know, starting around that 12th of March time frame for about a week, it was just like chaos. And people were, you know, I used the word freaked out. People were freaked out and they didn't know what was going on. And how can this be happening? It almost was like surreal. And then we've kind of moved into this 
in, in layperson's term, what I'm saying, like, you know, this kind of period between, hey, we haven't gotten back to quote unquote normal yet, but we're somewhere between freaked out and normal. <laughs> and, and I don't know, you know, how, you know, maybe from a, a counselor's perspective, somebody who deals with people and understanding how how the, the human psyche operates, uh, can you kind of like walk us through and give us your take on, you know, where are we with this, this whole COVID-19 situation that we're in right now? Well, when you, again, I, I think I mentioned this to you a couple of times uh, when we have conversations before is uh, people are still going to be people. So when you're talking about dealing with these particular situations, mm. that the initial response to all this is certainly a change that's thrust upon everybody that nobody wants to make. Yeah. Um, mm. And so and the primary driver in encouraging people to make that change is really the use of fear. Right. We're going to you're, you're sort of scaring people into what they think the worst case scenario mm. is. Uh, and to tr- and, and it, in order to gain compliance. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing or a wrong thing because you don't want those things to happen. Right. Um, but that's that sort of freak out. Um, we don't, th- there's a lot of unknowns. The, there's a lot of fear in relation to what terrible things could happen, uh, including death of, of ourselves or people that we love and care about. Yes. So people, it drives people to pay attention to that, right? Yeah. After a while, um, the intensity of that fear lessens to some degree, or at least you get used to it. Um, and so it's not that initial shock to your system. So, um, that, that same, um, attention to it, uh, diminishes somewhat. So you get in, not a lull necessarily, but the, the anxiety levels drop somewhat just a little bit to, cause there is a little bit of a new normal being established. Yes. Not that people like that anyway, but, but they are getting used to this new routine to some degree. Yeah. And so that's where some of that transition starts to occur. Um, you know, and I, you know, and I would say that, that because we're looking at that kind of stuff, if you look at the, from a mental health perspective, uh, in, in helping people uh, navigate through this process is that, uh, people who have anxiety to begin with, mm. um, they're, they're your employees or your even the business owner themselves, uh, things along those, that, that um, and anxiety is a fear-based thought process. Mm. And so if people already have a tendency to think worst case scenarios, when you use fear as a driver to, to um, um, position behavior, then you heighten people's anxiety levels. And so you'll see a lot of people who who um, they may get grumpy and irritable and things along those lines and snap at somebody, uh, not because they're angry with that particular person, but because they're they're anxious. Their anxiety has spiked uh, quite a bit because of the the unknowns in this situation. Yeah. Um, so I mean, so if you're talking about that, um, the, the if there are people who have a tendency to think of things from a catastrophic perspective mm. when they were in your office space anyway. And now that we're isolated a little bit and we're distanced from one another, that sometimes gets ramped up and you may spend a lot of time talking with employees mm. um, and trying to get them maneuvering in a certain way because look, they're scared. Yeah. Um, well, that's a great point, Tony. And, and so, I, you know, for instance, I know a lot of people, myself included, our teams are, are still working, but we're working remotely from home. And and then you have employees who are used to coming into an office and having your relationships and, and being in close proximity and having that uh, ability to, to communicate with each other in a personal, you know, one-to-one uh, setting or even in, in a meeting setting. And now they're in, in, in their home and they haven't been able to leave. And 
and I got to think that there's anxiety that's just caused by that kind of change. What are some tip, you know, some practical things that we can be doing as leaders that we're managing people from, you know, work work from home situations, and how do we, you know, keep tabs on that anxiety and that and, and the the feelings and emotions that people are dealing with? Can you give us some insight on, on that as well? Sure. You know, so you know, when some people are making these transitions, somebody might have a home office space, mm. but most people don't. <laughs> There's most people are probably trying to work from their dining room table or something like yeah, that, right? right? Yeah, exactly. And so, so there's not a dedicated space a lot of times in the home, and sometimes their kids are there, and mm. um, and other family members are there. So it's not it's not easy then to just focus on the job because there's a lot of things going on around them. So that creates some unique challenges uh, for people who don't have those dedicated spaces uh, or an ability to close a door for at least a half an hour without somebody pounding on it. Right. (laughs) Or Um, or the dog barking and right. The dog barking, the cat meowing. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. Exactly. Right. The baby needs a diaper changed. I mean, all that kind of stuff is is happening. And so it's not as easy to segment these things the way we would, the way we normally do that. Um, so that provides a little angst for people in how to create these separations. And so that's part of the challenge in, you know, when am I at work? When am I home? When am I paying attention to things? What am I doing? Um, and helping people um, uh, make some of those differentiations and delineations as best they possibly can when they're in that space. Mm-hmm. No one, again, this is temporary. Even if temporary lasts uh, longer than we would like it to, it's it's not going to be like six years and we're still doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're talking a few weeks, maybe a few months and things along, along that sure. side. So yeah, exactly. the other, the other part in anything dealing with change and unknowns and anxieties, and this always sounds super basic, well, first of all, you can't tell people don't be afraid because that never works. Uh, <laughs> right? You got nothing to worry about, it's like right? Saying, yeah, don't, right? It's like saying don't be mad, right? Yeah. Exactly, right? Okay. Yeah, that usually makes people more afraid or more angry, right? So, exactly. Uh, exactly. So, um, you know, it, it, you, you, you want to empathize with it and say, look, everybody is, right? And so, and the process is, Again, you know, we use this a lot in athletics is uh, focusing on what you can control. Mm. Uh, A lot of this thing is out of our control. So you have Mm. to pay attention to the things you can actually do something about, Mm. um, which is how do I organize my day and what am I paying some attention to? And am I taking care of myself? Uh, Am I still finding ways if I did work out a lot? Do I still find ways to do some of that? Um, Am I... Are you are you having some fun somewhere along the line? Are you mm. finding ways to laugh and enjoy the, the company of some people, even if that's virtually? I mm. I've known people who uh, they're having um, you know sort of like virtual cocktail hour and things like that, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. Where you know, so ways to still connect with people is is really really important. So mm. um, you want to what this does is it causes us to do. Um, to meet our needs in a different way than we used to before. So mm-hmm. you still have to pay attention to what those needs are and find other avenues of meeting them. Yeah. Um, and, and just like you mentioned, because we're a little more socially isolated from one another, as human beings, we're really social creatures. Mm. Uh, and while there are some people who might even prefer the social isolation, uh, the vast majority of people don't. So um, they like a little change of scenery. We're in a free country. People are used to moving around, going where they want, doing what they want. So that that connectivity with other people becomes really important. 
And while I can't sit in the same room with them anymore, I have to be able to connect with them, uh, whether that's on the phone or we're having conversations with text messages or whether doing video interfaces, which is not ideal. Uh, it's just the mechanism that we have at the moment to maintain that yeah. connectivity. And, 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 you know, that sense of community and being, you know, seeing people's faces, you know, is, is, is really, it, it, I didn't really have an appreciation for that until probably, you know, four weeks ago and realizing that, wow, I was missing people. And then we get on these Zoom calls and some of the other technology platforms. And it really is amazing. Everything from my church to my Bible study group, to my rotary meeting, to BNI meeting, to, you know, it's just incredible, you know, to be able to just see these people and say, wow, hey, this is a sense of normalcy that you were kind of talking about. You know, to me, that's, that's really profound. So, Tony, I want to kind of take a, a step aside from that topic because I think you, you mentioned something there that kind of made me think of from a leader's perspective. You know, uh, a lot of company owners that I'm talking with right now have their remote workforce. Everybody's working from home, and they're kind of like me. I, I come into the office each day, and I'm, I'm just lonely. I don't have anybody to talk to or bounce an idea off of, and it's like this is this is kind of a weird thing. You know, so how do, how do leaders – you know, kind of break through that too without necessarily showing that fear or anxiety? How do they kind of connect with other people or, you know, maybe get that sense of community? I'm, not, I'm curious to get your take on, like, how, from a leader's perspective, how do you, you know, keep leading when you yourself might have that uh, sense of anxiety or, you know, being a sense of um, not in community or proximity to people? How do you continue to, to, to lead in isolation? So again, like the, 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 the interaction with people is still important. So if I interacted with somebody, like you're saying, I want to bounce ideas off of somebody. Yeah. I can't just walk down the hall and do it. Right. I have to, I have to like, I have to make a call and do it right. Like, right. Or, or shoot a text or send that kind of message. So that's some of the connected connectivity part of it. Yeah. And look, there is a lot of unknown, um, whether it's, uh, the SBA and PPP loans, mm. uh, whether you're, what you're going to qualify for, how you're going to do it, what, what, what you may or may not be able to pay back, who you may be able to keep on the payroll, who you may not be able to, um, all those things are are definitely a bunch of unknowns that are very unclear over the next several weeks, several months. Mm. And so you don't want to pretend like uh, you you have all the answers when you know you don't. Yeah. It's simp- it's but it is a matter of managing that stuff to some degree. The more I get focused on what I don't know, what I can't do, the more agitated and stressed people are going to become. Mm. Right. So as a leader. What I want to be able to do is if I want my employees, you, you really have to learn how to practice what you preach. If I want my employees to um, to identify certain tasks and to be able to stay focused on them and I'm trying to guide them and you know, let's pay attention to these things. We're going to have to let things go that we can't do much of anything about um, because you can't make any decisions about that anyway. It's, it's how do I want to live my life based on the circumstance I find myself in and how do I how do I use that to our advantage? There are some advantages to this particular situation if people are looking for them. And as a matter of fact, Jim, I'm going to say that you have created an advantage hmm. in something that didn't exist prior to this happening, which hmm. is that you started to shift the 
the focus of positively West Virginia in this direction and you did it daily rather than weekly. Mm. So those are adaptations to find advantages in a situation that might not have existed in previous situations. So mm. there it's, it, that's a, a mindset and a way of, of looking at things is where, where, how do we make, how do we use this to our advantage? And the more I get focused on figuring out how we use this to our advantage, whether that's in, um, uh, the relationships with my employees and my personnel, or whether that's the relationships with um, our our business partners, mm. uh, the relationships with our clientele and our customers. How do how do I use this as an advantage to build um, uh, to, to build those relationships and and strengthen those relationships? Those types of things become incredibly important mm. in helping focus our direction and our attention over that period of time. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's great insight. You know, one of the things that I've heard you say before, Tony, is that, you know, we're in the people business, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you're in, you're, you're in the people business. And what you're talking about, you know, people are people, right? It doesn't matter if we're in a crisis situation or if we're in, you know, a really nice place in our, in our world. Uh, people are people and we're in the people business and, and we you know, really, you know, when you're talking about using things to your advantage, it's really about, you know, serving people and helping other people out in their situation, whether you have customers or your employees or whatever it is you're trying to take care of. And, you know, um, <clears throat> I had a, um, a small business town hall uh, on Monday and a friend of, of mine who was on the call, he, you may know him, his name is Frank Vitale. Frank, mm-hmm. uh, he said something, and I'm going to paraphrase what he said, but I thought it was really profound. He said, the way that leaders lead during this time is going to come back toward them when we when we get out of this crisis situation. In other words, the way we're treating people and the way we're treating our clients and our customers is going to come back to us. And I thought that was really uh, interesting insight because uh, I think that it's 100% true, first of all, very well articulated. And, and we've got to be cognizant and mindful because uh, we're not out of the woods yet by a long stretch. You know, I was just listening to the governor, uh, Jim Justice, talking about, um, you know, preparations that we're, they're working on, uh, you know, a recovery plan. How, how are we going to open back up down the road? And we don't even know when that is, but we're starting to look forward to those times right now. Right. And, you know, we can't get ahead of ourselves. We have to have diligence and proper hygiene and social distancing and all those things, but our minds are starting to wander, like, what's this going to look like in two months from now or, you know, next week, even tomorrow, you know, we don't know. And, and how, how, what are some tips you could give us to maybe, th- you know, thinking about not getting too far ahead of ourselves as we start thinking about, especially from a business perspective, that's our audience that we're trying to serve right now. And, you know, what are some things you can give, you know, maybe some practical ideas on, on, on and thoughts on, you know, not necessarily getting ahead of ourselves, but being mindful of preparation for the future. Well, I, I you kind of said it the way you do it. It's being mindful of preparation for the future in terms of what um, what are we gearing ourselves towards, and what do we think might be the case, knowing that you're you're kind of making a calculated guess in yeah, a lot of ways. Exactly. There's not a lot of it's not going to be a lot of data. You know, I don't think there's a lot of data. What is it like coming out of a pandemic? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Best practices. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, I think the last time we went through this was a hundred years ago. Right. Um, and, uh, and so there's not a lot of practical tips for, for dealing with that part of it. Uh, but I think also what it allows you to do and a part I would encourage people to focus on is, is in defining who it is that your company is or who that your business is, 
um, and what you want to be with people in terms of what you anticipate their needs being mm-hmm. and how you're going to meet those needs. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's, as you mentioned before, that's usually from a business perspective, that's always a good idea anyway, but you're dealing with people and people are always going to have needs. It doesn't matter whether you're selling products or it's a service. Yeah. What do you anticipate those needs being and how do you put your resources in a way that, um, maximizes your ability to meet those needs Mm. uh, as quickly and and as soon as possible, as soon as those opportunities begin to present themselves. And and to your uh, paraphrasing of of Frank's um, uh, conversation we had with Frank, you know, the, the, the reality is, is that what you have an opportunity is to demonstrate what kind of a quality business, what kind of quality people you are in this process. uh, And we're going through difficult times. Um, You know, my daughter and I were watching the, uh, uh, the Lord of the Rings a, a couple of weeks ago on a weekend. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and, um, there's a scene where, uh, um, uh, says, uh, you know, here's an opportunity for Faramir captain of Gondor to show his quality, right? Does he take mm-hmm. the ring and use it for himself or does he, does he do something else with it? And, and so that th- these are great opportunities for that to show the quality of leader that you are, the quality of business person that you are, the quality of mm. actual just human being that you are. Yep. And this, these are times when people need that the most. Yeah. You know, I'm reminded of Simon Sinek's book, Leaders Eat Last. And, you know, I, I'm seeing just tremendous inspiration out there in the business community. I've, uh, I've seen several companies where, uh, the leadership team, uh, the CEOs taking, you know, zero salary or taking a drastic pay cut. They're foregoing their bonuses so that they could, don't don't have to necessarily furlough or lay off employees. And I, I think that's incredible. And uh, it's kind of a new thing. I don't I don't know that I've ever seen that kind of a situation in a in a, any kind of a crisis. Of course, you know, like I said, we we've never seen this kind of a, a of a storm situation uh, as businesses being forced to shut down and, and close and, and, and these kinds of things. So I do think that um, from a leadership perspective, I think that, um, you know, you've given us some really good insight on on how we can uh, can really um, use this as, a, as an opportunity, not just as a challenge, but as an opportunity. And Tony, I also want to hit on something you you kind of talked about it and uh you know talking about making decisions and and sometimes um you know i just want to put this out there but i've talked to quite a few folks over the last several weeks and myself included i in this is like we're making decisions um based on information that we have right and everybody keeps talking about how this is a fluid dynamic situation and we're making decisions how do you know how do you come to grips with you know hey i made that decision based on what I knew then, but now it's different. And I, I, I almost feel bad. Like I got to change, I got to shift gears again and go back to this other way I was doing it. And maybe that was a bad decision. How do you, as a leader, you know, kind of come to grips with, hey, I made a bad decision. What do I do? So the way I think about that stuff is, uh, whether it's in leadership or whatever aspect of your yeah, life you're sure, in, sure. you make, you make decisions based on the information you have at the time. Yeah. You make the best decision you possibly can. And then you get feedback. You you do get data. You get data about whether or not it's working the way you want it to or whether it's not working the way you want it to. If it's working the way you want it to, you repeat that. Exactly. If it's if it's if you're getting data that it's not working the way you want to, all that's telling you that you need to do is make an adjustment. Yeah. Is, is make some adjustment to to the model that you have or the direction that you're going in. Um 
probably not the ultimate thing that you're trying to accomplish, but in, in how you're going about doing it. Mm. And the thing that you said key there to me is whether or not I personalize or beat myself up over the fact that a piece of information came in later on that would have been helpful uh, knowing that beforehand. <laughs> right, and exactly. I, I, I can only know what I know when I know it, right? I mean, I can't, right. I can't. So you, it's not, the, the real issue is, is do I turn on myself in that process? And that makes this thing way, way more difficult if I do that. That puts a lot of pressure on me mm. uh, to make the perfect decision and the exact decision mm. um, as opposed to let's make the decision we have with what we know today. If we get different information tomorrow, we'll reevaluate it and yes. see whether or not we need to alter course or not. Yeah. It's a little bit like uh, like in sailing, you're tacking, right? You're 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 making course adjustments mm. in order to go into a direction. You don't you don't mm. just get in the sailboat and go straight. That just doesn't happen. Right. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> no, that's you know. Yeah. So that that's part of what of of what these processes really sort of. Uh, and these situations that we're in, this crisis situation that we're in, really highlights the benefit of being able to sort of depersonalize this mm. in terms of not make it about myself, like whether I was great or whether I wasn't. Am I reading the situation? And it's not any different than, I don't know, uh, uh, if um, the quarterback throws the ball um, into a certain coverage and the ball gets intercepted. You know, okay, they misread something. Sometimes the defense does some things that are really good. You can't beat yourself up like crazy over that. You have to be able to go out and read the defenses and 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 cut the cut that thing loose. And I think a great example of that was this past Super Bowl, which is probably the last major sporting event any of us ever saw. <laughs> uh, the last the last Super Bowl with Patrick Mahomes, who had a not a very good first half. And um, his coach, Andy Reid, just kept saying, trust yourself, trust what you see and let go of the ball. Right. And then as the game goes on, he gets a little better feel. He reads the information mm -hmm. a little bit better and they start to move the ball. They score and they win. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, that's wow. because if I personalize, mm -hmm. if I beat myself up through all that process, I can't be free enough to, to make those decisions down the line. Yeah. And, and then those outcomes don't occur. Absolutely. And right? what I'm, that, that's a great analogy. And, and yeah, I think it's perfect. It kind of gives us a, uh, a little perspective. And I think what I'm hearing is, number one, you, you can own, own the decision that you're making, but also give yourself some grace. Right. And I, I feel like that's something that uh, I, I personally need to heed myself because I do. I, I feel like I'm making a bunch of decisions every day and some of them are going to probably be minuscule in nature. Some of them are large in nature, but you, you got to continue to say, OK, are we going in the right direction? And I and, and I've, this has been encouraging to me just to listen to you talk from a people perspective, because it's uh you know, if you have like in in the case of my company, you know, everybody's working remotely and I don't have those personal, you know, where you have a, a morning meeting every day where we're all on a Zoom call and it's kind of nice to talk, but I'm not really, you know, focusing on the interpersonal as much as I should be. And mm -hmm. I think that's a good, uh, good gut check, a reality check for me personally and uh, something I need to do a better job of for sure. And, and so another little piece of that, Jim, is know, look, every decision that we're going to make is temporary. Yes. I mean, there's no, there's <laughs> the only one that's permanent is if says we die. Okay. Right, so every right. other one is temporary so that we have opportunities to make changes and adjustments uh, along the way. Yeah. Yeah. That's good stuff. Uh, Tony, um, 
First of all, I want to remind everybody who we're talking to today. Our guest today is Tony Honorado. Tony is a licensed professional counselor with Pro Health Employee Assistance Programs and APO Counseling. Tony is a highly regarded counselor uh, in many subject areas, especially in, in business and helping uh, really uh, get the most out of people. Uh, Tony, you know, we're, we're seeing lots of innovation happening and there are lots of change, obviously. Uh, what are some potential opportunities you think are going to come out of all this? Uh, I, I, I suppose to a lot of degrees that's, that's somewhat specific to different industries and whatnot. But sure, I think one yes. of the things that's going to happen a lot is that um, uh, the introduction of technology that's kind of got forced down a lot of people's throats here, sure. I don't think that's going to disappear. I think we'll see people use that a little bit more often and because they'll now be used to it to some degree. Um, and I think look, ultimately, Jim, it comes down to what we'll find is innovative ways of serving people and meeting their needs mm. uh, in ways we hadn't had to think of before. Yeah. Just because, you know, the road that we used is now blocked for whatever reason. And then we have to take a different route to get to where we want to go. Yeah. And and as I say, necessity is the mother of invention. So people become creative in figuring out how do we get this done and how do we do this and how do we move in that direction? Mm. And that's going to open up a lot of things that, that, um, that, that we can't, that we don't even know are there at the moment. Right. Absolutely. Um, yep. Yeah. So that, that part's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I think so. And I, and, and I'm not saying every company is in this position, but the companies that don't, pivot and embrace the change and figure out, hey, maybe I've got to do a couple of things differently are the ones that are going to probably fall by the wayside. And the ones who would, who do the opposite and embrace the change and embrace the innovation and look at opportunities and figure out what they have and figure out how to help more people, they're going to thrive. And I, I do believe in West Virginia, we have, <clears throat> we have a tremendous opportunity because we have, uh, you know, people that are kind of resilient, um, to some degree, an underdog, you know, kind of mentality sometimes, you know, and I, I don't mean that with any disrespect, but I feel like a lot of times we're the underdogs and we're like, yeah, well, just watch us. We're here, <laughs> you know, we're, <laughs> just watch what we can do, you know, and I think we're going to have that, that coming, that mindset and, and be able to really adapt and change and, and, and come out of this in a, in a better spot than maybe even we were. So I, that's kind of my thought and my, um, you know, my opinion, but, uh, I'm, I'm a, I'm an optimist. I, I feel like sometimes I'm a, uh, I'm a realist, but I'm an optimist, you know, and I, and I feel like that, you know, I'm just really excited about what, uh, what, what's going to be out there on the calm waters. Once we get these boats to the calm water and the skies open up and the sun's shining on us again. Well, and, I, and I agree with you a hundred percent on that. Look, the issue to me is, I don't know if I'm an optimist or I'm definitely not a pessimist, but I'm more of an opportunist, right? Every yeah. environment, every situation creates opportunities. The question is how fast you can find them and yeah. whoever adapts fastest wins. Yeah. Uh, that's every, every athletic uh, endeavor, every business endeavor, every um, military endeavor, whoever adapts fastest to the environmental factors and the conditions that exist currently wins. Yeah. And so that was Darwin. That's kind of a Darwin thing, yeah. right? So the better we're able to do that, the better we're able to recognize what these conditions are and use them to your advantage. It cuts down the tense of, of, of trying to be perfect. It cuts down mm -hmm. the sense of, 
of uh, the anxiety and the pressure that people place on themselves and allows you to focus on what things look like moving forward and, and to bring those good qualities that you have out, not only to yourself, but to the people around you. Absolutely. Tony, as we wrap up our time here today, what's the best way for people to learn more about you and your practices and uh, perhaps even get in touch with you? Uh, you can uh, you can visit our, our website, apocounseling.com, which is pretty easy, or uh, you can shoot me an email, which is... Uh, uh, T, last name Honorato, O-N-O-R-A-T-O, at apocounseling.com is probably the best way to reach me. Yeah, we'll make sure we have links to all that on the show notes section awesome. of the website as well. Tony, once again, uh, thank you so much for sharing this very valuable information to our audience. I, I think what you're doing is great, and I, I loved your insight that you were able to share in the last half hour. I really appreciate you, man. Well, I really appreciate the opportunity, Jim. And like I said, I mean, you've you've done a good job of adapting and adjusting to environmental changes in order to help people meet their needs and business owners meet their needs. And I, I think that's a uh, that's a great a great adjustment and uh, a tribute and a natural and a and a what says something about kind of who you are as a person and the way you look yeah. at things. Thanks, Tony. I appreciate that, folks. That's it for today's positively West Virginia COVID nineteen business briefing. My hope is that we brought you some valuable insight that you can use in your business as we all work to navigate these uncharted waters. I want to take a moment just to thank our sponsors positively uh, for Positively West Virginia, and they are Insurance Centers, The State Journal, WVNews.com, and Interaction Media. We'll be coming to you live every weekday as this pandemic continues with these special edition briefings and subject matters. Uh, subject matter experts from around West Virginia uh, to deliver uh, some really good in insight and information to you guys. On behalf of our entire Positively West Virginia team, I'm your host, Jim Matuga. Stay safe, stay healthy, and stay positive, West Virginia.